It's the Perry and Shauna podcast on the real life journey with you, reminding you that you are Abba's beloved child and that Jesus has called you into his massive mission to heal the world. Hey, we want to talk about artificial intelligence and how we can leverage that for the faith. We've got Steel Billings, who's the head of artificial intelligence at Glue, and Glue is a company, G-L-O-O dot U-S. It's a company that leverages technology to help you and me and our churches and ministries get closer to one another and closer to God. Is that possible? Well, Glue believes that is. Steele holds a business degree and has roots in computer science and design, and he's committed to leveraging technology to fulfill God's purpose. And Steele lives in Memphis, Tennessee, with his wife, his son, his daughter, and he's joining us live from Memphis. And you are the head of AI at Glue, yeah? Yeah, that's okay. right. So I need I need a little bit of an education. So here's what I know about AI. I know it stands for artificial intelligence, and I know it's bad. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> We've heard some cautions. We've heard to be cautious about it. So educate me. What is AI and and should we be cautious? Well, yes. Jumping straight to answer that question, because that's a very important question. Okay. We should always be cautious. We should be thoughtful. But artificial intelligence refers to the simulation of human intelligence. And it's how machines and computer systems can process these large sets of human intelligence in order to you know better correct itself or teach itself these complex ideas and artificial intelligence can actually be classified into two types uh, there is narrow artificial intelligence and there's general artificial intelligence and uh, you'll you'll hear a lot about that that second one general artificial intelligence you'll often hear it called agi and a lot of people are still wondering are we going to get to an era of agi where Artificial intelligence is kind of doing things that we didn't necessarily tell it to do, right? Maybe not always in a bad way, not always in a scary way, uh, but AGI is an era that uh, is highly debated. And there are some companies who make it their mission to get us to a spot of AGI, which is why it's really important that we be involved and that we be engaged in this conversation to always know where we're going. Uh, but artificial intelligence is something that is changing every day. We're learning something new about it every day. Just yesterday, actually, you had uh, the Biden administration released a new executive order on artificial intelligence, and they released AI.gov, for example, which is just a, a sweeping set of principles and guidelines and uh, really news about what they're going to be doing around artificial intelligence in our country. And whether or not you can you know, trust AI or if it if it's always bad or if you should be thoughtful about it is uh, something, you know, we like to remind ourselves that God is not surprised by artificial intelligence. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, God was not surprised by the printing press. God was not surprised mm -hmm. by the dawn of the Internet. Uh, and God was not surprised by artificial intelligence. So what are some of the tools right now that we can use that incorporate AI? Well, you know, just this past year, uh, in 2023, it feels like this has been the year of artificial intelligence. I think Time Magazine made AI the person of the year <laughs> uh, back in that, really because of the release of tools like <clears throat> ChatGPT mm -hmm. back in November of last year. Uh, ChatGPT, for those of you who maybe haven't used it, it's chat.openai.com. It's from an organization called OpenAI, uh, which exists to make artificial intelligence more accessible to individuals. 
And it's really a chat bot. Um, and it asks questions or, or it answers questions in real time. So ChatGPT is one of the most popular ones that's out there. Google has a version of that. There's other companies that have their own versions of chatbots. Um, in the faith space, there are actually a dozen of them. There, there's dozens of them, I should say, that exist just to help people in uh, maybe roles at a church or roles at a nonprofit, maybe roles in evangelism or discipleship. And so there's artificial intelligence popping up everywhere. Lots of different tools that you could try. All right. So, Steele, I have started playing around with chat GPT and it's really fun. It's it's really amazing what it does. It has helped me. I want it to become a better assistant for me. So talk about what chat GPT is first, and then I'm going to ask you one more follow up question. Well, ChatGPT is a chatbot, and it is built on top of something called a large language model. And large language models, you can think of them like the brain of artificial intelligence, right? So the large language models, they they take large sets of data, and they're called language because it breaks everything down into text, right? So if it looks at a, a picture of something, if you upload a graphic into it, it breaks it down and it says... This is a giraffe eating grass, right? And it, it sees that picture as text. And so it breaks down that language and it tries to predict what the next word in the sentence is. And so with ChatGPT, you can give it a question and it will send back the most likely response to that question based on the billions and billions of words and sentences and books and movies and videos that it's consumed. Okay, so I'll tell you one thing I did. I said, uh, I asked, chat GPT a question. I said, tell me a story of a bad person, a true story of a bad person who became good. And it told me this beautiful story of John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace, who was a slave <laughs> trader. So anyway, we create a lot of content here at Perry and Shauna Mornings, and we don't want to just spew out chat GPT, you know, on John 316. But I mean, could, could I conceivably create, you know, get chat GBT to create sort of a couple of paragraphs on where I want to go with my content and then shape it the way that I want? How would I do that if I could do that? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there's a lot of things that you can do with artificial intelligence and chat GPT. I mean, Perry, are, are you really here? Is that really your voice there or is this artificial intelligence? Right, right. Well, how do I prove it? <laughs> right, right. No, yeah, so you can. You know, artificial intelligence, it, today it does what it's told to do, right? You ask it a question, you tell it to act. I could tell it to act as, you know, Perry with Moody Radio, and it would, you know, take all the information that it knows about you, maybe some of your historical radio shows, and it might respond as you would respond. It would tell a really bad dad joke, mm, probably. Yeah, yeah, it would. <laughs> it would be in there. Maybe a good dad joke. <laughs> Good dad joke. Yeah, I don't know. Better than what I do. <laughs> yeah. So, so pastors, let's talk about this. Like structuring um, biblical content, whether you're an author writing a book, whether you're a pastor writing a message, whether you're a radio show host, you know, coming up with content. Is this, is it ethical? Is this like abdicating our responsibilities that God has given us to do this? Or talk about that. Yeah, such a good question. I, well, one, I will say this. At Glue, we hold primary that relationship is first and that artificial intelligence should never be about disintermediating relationship. This should not be 
about us allowing technology to get in between of us and God or us and others. But, you know, some practical ways that pastors are using artificial intelligence today would be, you know, around sermon research, not necessarily sermon creation, but sermon research, mm-hmm. uh, the teaching and training, using AI as a sparring partner, using artificial intelligence. You know, imagine sitting down across the table from someone who knows every Bible verse and can recite it word for word and spit it out mm-hmm. in second based on a scenario that you give it. Uh, there's tools like church.tech which are taking sermon videos, you know, just the content created for Sundays and creating dozens of other pieces of content like social media posts, discussion mm. guides, Whoa. short clips for TikTok. And so in a matter of seconds, you're taking Sunday morning's content and you're turning it into something that can seep into the cracks of every other day. Yeah. Imagine how many more people can be reached with the amount of with that type of content flooding the internet. That seems like a good thing. It's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, my jam is discipleship. Like the thing that I get so excited about is how do we take all that we know about God and about faith and and have that applied to our everyday lives so that it just seeps into, it's part of who we are, that we live in this love relationship with the Lord. How do we grow as disciples and take our next step in our walk with Jesus? All those things. So how does AI play into that? Is it a tool that we can use for discipleship and evangelism? Well, uh, we think so. And in fact, we we just recently held an event called a hackathon and to pursue that very idea. It was one of the challenges of the hackathon. And uh, for the, maybe for those of the listeners who don't know what a hackathon is, it's it's an event where people come together real quickly to build software design mm-hmm. and take an idea and rapidly make that idea something real. And hackathon, hackathons typically have something called challenges around them. A lot of people may not know it, but NASA, for example, puts on hackathons around, you know, how we can advance our space exploration. Um, One of their challenges might be something like, uh, how can uh, how can we better track the International Space Station, for example? And so what we said is we would love to have a hackathon around how artificial intelligence might play a role in people's faith journeys. Um, So one of the challenges was how can AI help us with jobs like evangelism and discipleship. And what we learned is that discipleship is a very personal thing. You know, Shauna, when you think about your own walk with Christ, then you think about all the ways that God showed up, you know, in uh, throughout various seasons of life. And your testimony is often your most powerful tool. Mm -hmm. And you try to take your testimony and you try to relate it to others in their various walk of life and their various seasons, right? And so what artificial intelligence can do is it can take all that information and it can rapidly personalize it so that other people can relate. And so one of the winning uh, entries of the hackathon, in fact, the grand prize was from a group called Basil Tech, and they created this technology that took ancient catechisms, uh, which are stories about how to teach the next generation about God. And it would then take inserts from parents. And so as a parent, I'd be able to say, my seven-year-old son is struggling with anxiety and, you know, but he really relates to these stories and it Mm -hmm. would create for me a very personalized discipleship children's book, if you will, that I could use to teach him about God. That's awesome. Wow. I love that. I can see myself now walking down Main Street and coming up to a random stranger and saying, pulling out my phone and chat GPT and say, here, read this. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's going to work, Pear Dog. Well, you know, 
I mean, it's worth a try. Yeah. No, but this is this is amazing. It is. It's amazing technology and the fact that here's the thing. Here's what I'm getting. My big takeaway, honestly, Steele, thank you so much for your time. I know we're wrapping up here, but my big takeaway is <laughs> we don't need to be fearful about artificial intelligence. We need to be godly about artificial intelligence. We need to be informed about what the opportunities are, and we need to use this tool to bring honor and glory to God. Mm-hmm. Amen. I would I would totally agree with you. I'm so thankful to be with you guys. You know, we um, the last thing I would just say is that, you know, as Christians, it's an opportunity for us to show up. It's an opportunity, and not just an opportunity, but I would say it's a responsibility for us to show up. We at Glue believe that we have a moral imperative to use these types of technologies and not just to use them for our own pleasures or to see the the world use them to advance the world's purposes, but for us to really pursue what are God's purposes for these types of technologies. Because the world is going to use it for evil. It will be, mark it down, it will be, probably is being used for evil. But man, we, we are God's people. We are to bring flourishing to the earth. And so we need to be on the leading edge of this, don't you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, um, the, the printing press was there. A lot, there's a lot of comparisons to the printing press and, and artificial intelligence. And I would just ask us to think, you know, what if 30 years ago when the Internet came into existence, we said, hey, we're going to sit this one out. We choose not to participate in the Internet. Um, and so, you know, thankfully we didn't. And as a result, Things like the Bible app, which, you know, has over 600 million users, you know, spreading the gospel all throughout the nations uh, came into existence and website after website came into existence and radio stations like yourselves, you know, started flooding the Internet with good news of Jesus Christ. So uh, we believe that we have a similar opportunity in front of us. God has a good plan for your life. He's such a good God. And here's another reality that's kind of hard to swallow, but he has an enemy, and that enemy opposes everything that God is for. My son was taking a class in college, and they were asked to share their earliest memory, and they were talking about how your early memories from your childhood can actually shape or reveal some of the things about yourself and how you engage with the world today. And so it opened up a conversation, and we were just kind of chatting about that, our earliest memories. And I, this memory came back to mind for me that I hadn't really thought about, but it was when I still had my glasses, so I got contacts at seven. So I had big bifocals, thick lenses. So picture little Shauna with probably a Dorothy Hamill haircut and and those big glasses. And my friends had rung the doorbell and they were all there. And I was so excited. I remember feeling just really loved. Like, I can imagine they were probably playing and thought this would be better if Shauna was here, you know, and then they came and rang the doorbell. And I was super, I don't know, I just felt really loved and cared for and wanted in that moment. Sure. But Dino had, I had such a crush on Dino. He was a couple of years older than I am, but he had his hands cupped and there was something inside of his hands. And when he opened them up, there was a grasshopper and it immediately hopped right onto my glasses and landed on my, now nobody could have seen that coming, but here's what happened for me. My little heart that was so happy that my friends came to see me translated that experience. Now everybody's laughing at me and I'm scared. I've got this grasshopper sitting on my glasses and it's frightening and I don't like it. And they're laughing at me. And I just feel like I'm the butt of the joke all of a sudden. And it just felt really yucky. Mm-hmm. And so fast forward, you know, I, I think that I really hope for good things out of my relationships, but then I kind of secretly anticipate the moment of deception when the other foot drops. Sure. And it's like, oh, yep, that's pretty much what I expect to happen. Well, that's not healthy. 
<laughs> if those are, if that experience is shaping how I view the world around me, I have to ask the question too, like, does that even shape how I view God? I mean, if the enemy can convince me that other people don't actually want me, they don't care about me, and I just, you know, they're just going to use me for whatever they can get out of me, and I'm going to keep myself at arm's length and try to protect myself from being embarrassed or even being just disappointed with how I'm being treated by them, then maybe that could seep into my relationship with God, and I would want to keep him at arm's length and distrust him and just think at some point this thing's going to turn, the other shoe's going to drop. Yeah, you can see how this is not good. Yeah, it's the whole attachment thing. Attachment, you know, positive attachment happens in our lives really early, even in the first few months and years mm-hmm. of our lives, you know, first couple years. I don't know all the science behind it, but you can even expand that into, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years old. If we have experiences like that, a lot of them, or even traumatic ones like that, it disconnects us from relationship because of fear. Yeah, and honestly, this is like a short little moment snippet of time, right? It wasn't a big deal, but it had a big impact. But it caused you to then look through that that framework into other relationships. Right. You can't trust people. Yeah. Ultimately, it's going to go south. Yeah, that's the message. And in the Bible, Jesus said the thief comes to only steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your dreams. He wants to take your life purpose from you. He wants to destroy your relationships. Mm -hmm. If you listen to and believe his lies, he can have that kind of influence in your life. But listen to this. Jesus also said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There it is. God's got a good plan for your life and his good plan, his good desires for your life are for your flourishing. You've been saying that a lot this morning, that word flourishing. Mm. That's God's desire for you. He wants you to know the truth and he wants the truth to set you free from the lies that have settled into your heart. Those belief systems that you have about how other people are going to treat you. or And you can do all the work of getting healthy and getting well and understanding the truth and replacing the truth with the lies. But if there's a place in your heart that has experienced woundedness, it can creep up on you again. I had this happen just this weekend. This, this thought came into my mind. People don't actually care about you. Like, wake up, Shauna. So nothing prompted the thought? No, it felt it felt completely random. Okay, so that, that was the enemy straight up. Right. Yeah, there was nothing, nothing negative happened that would have made that happen. I just, it was, I walked into a space and everybody seemed to be having conversations, but nobody was having a conversation with me. And I felt like Mm -hmm. these people just don't care about you. So just leave. And so, yeah, it was just yuck, right? That's enemy stuff. I can relate. Yeah. So Lord, help us to recognize the enemy's lies and to get healthy and to do the work. You know, help us to cling to the truth, to cling to Jesus. I don't know what lies you've believed in your life, but if there is a childhood lie that's still influencing your life, I know that God wants to speak truth over that for you. I know that he wants to let you know what really, really is true about you, about how he feels about you. And if you don't feel cared for at all, just let this sink in for just a minute. God so loved you that he gave his one and only son so that he could be with you forever. Mm. Back in college, let's just say I was extremely frugal. I would only put a couple bucks of gas into my car each time I'd fill up. 
That would scare me so much. Like, I don't like my tank to go under a quarter of a tank. If it's under a quarter of a tank, it's the same as empty in my in my mind. I just didn't want to spend money. Yeah. And when I was a teenager, my friends called me tight, you know, frugal. They use worse words, though. At any rate, didn't go down well. I can't tell you how many times I ran out of gas mm. and me and my roommates had to push my car to the gas station. Now, they could have, they could have taught me some reality discipline and said, we're not going to help you. But they didn't do that. But they were in your car. They should have been paying for some of the gas. <laughs> That's true. In my opinion. I never thought of that. <laughs> Takes a Dutch woman to figure that one out. Yeah. So in my life journey, I run out of gas as well. I run out of spiritual power. It can be because I'm frugal with the amount of time I spend filling up with God and his mm. spirit. I get too busy and distracted. Do you ever get too busy and too distracted? But another reason I run out of gas is that I try to live in my own strength, as if I don't need gas, as if I don't need a power source from God to mm. live. What's up with that? But still another reason I run out of gas, and I think this is, this is what I really want to bring home to us, it's because I don't realize the power that's in me all the time. Mm. Author Sally Lloyd-Jones says an acorn, a little tiny acorn, is really small, of course. To look at it, you'd think it was weak and not very important. But from one acorn, a mighty oak tree can grow. And from one mighty oak tree, a whole forest can grow. So a whole forest comes from a single acorn. That's, that's God's economy. Mm -hmm. He has created flourishing in the tiniest of things. And the Bible says that because of Jesus, all the riches of God, all of the heaven's bottomless ocean of love, all the power in the universe have come to live inside you. Christ is in you. The one who created the universe, the spirit of Christ is in you. Lord, open the eyes of our heart to that mm -hmm. reality. Throughout my journey with Jesus, the main way I've learned to access his power that's in me is through my weakness because I'm so naturally self-sufficient and I'm going to do it on my own and I'm going to do it on my own strength. But my weakness rids me of my self-sufficiency. And then I remember Christ is in me. The power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living in me. If I could really see that and know that with my heart of hearts, what a difference that would make in my day today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm so, I can so relate to just feeling that it's on me and that I need to, you know, I need to work harder. I need to try harder. I need to do more. Just that mentality. I don't know if that's just part of being human that we have to wrestle with that, but it is hard to surrender to God. And I think that's why weakness is such a great doorway or portal mm -hmm. to the strength of God is because when we realize, oh, I don't have any more to give, or I'm at the end of my rope, I've hit rock bottom, if you will. You know what I mean? And there's no place else up to, no place else to look but up from here. That's the place that I throw up my hands and say, I, I receive everything that you have for me, right? Yeah. I, I think that's how it works in a fallen world where we're so prone to self-sufficiency. You know, we look at Paul and we marvel at his ministry in the New Testament, the story through the book of Acts and the three missionary journeys and 
the books that he wrote on just incredibly deep theology that came out of real life stories and real life experiences. And we marvel at that, but this was a guy that suffered so, Mm -hmm. so, so much. Yeah. was beaten within an inch of his life a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole litany of things that he went through. I think in second Corinthians, it'll just blow you away. Just read that. And, you know, there's that account in, in second Corinthians chapter 12 that talks about, you know, I had this thorn in the flesh and I prayed that Jesus would take it away. But he said, no, my grace is enough for you. And Paul learned that his, the power of Christ was made perfect in his weakness. And so I think that, you know, Paul was an incredibly gifted man, amazingly gifted man, and God used his gifts. But I think it was his weakness that caused Mm -hmm. such a powerful impact. Mm -hmm. Do I want that kind of weakness? Hmm. I don't know. Right. We don't want to sign up for it, but yet... If that's where if that's where God's glory shines through my life, so be it. Mm. Yeah, it's a surrender. Yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say so be it too. So I pray, I'm gonna pray for me, for you, for Shauna. I pray that out of God's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. And that the Lord will open the eyes of your heart to see that power. I pray that you'll have the strength to stick it out over the long haul. Not the grim strength of gritting your teeth, but the glory strength that God gives. It is strength that endures the unendurable and spills over into joy, thanking the Father who makes us strong enough to take part in everything bright and beautiful that he has for us. Ever since I can remember, I have wanted to achieve and accomplish and do great things. When I was maybe six years old, my family was camping at Aloha State Park near Sheboygan. By the way, it's not Aloha. It's Aloha. Okay. Aloha State Park near Sheboygan. Aloha. Yep. We don't want to get laughed at if we're up there. Right. So I would get up in the morning and there was this college-age guy, I'm going to say, running sprints back and forth across the field. And that just captured my imagination. You're like, someday I'm going to be a big guy like that guy. Yeah. And even then I thought, I want to be like that guy when I grow up. That's awesome. There was something about that guy that said, if you want to be great, you got to go after it. You got to dig deep. You got to just do it. Mm Mm-hmm. Tim Keller says that we can have an inordinate desire for greatness and accomplishment. And, you know, a desire to accomplish and achieve, it's a beautiful thing. It doesn't have to be wrong, but we can have an inordinate desire for achievement. And I have had that, and I do have that, and I have to reset. But our self-seeking for our own glory creates mm-hmm. great restlessness and discontent. But King David, a guy who accomplished amazing things, has left all this behind in Psalm 131. He says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Now, a nursing child held by its mom is highly aware of the milk she can offer, 
and will squirm and cry if denied. Do I get a witness here? Yeah, that's how it goes down. A child who has been weaned, however, and no longer nurses is content just to be with her mom, enjoying her closeness and love without wanting anything else. I can so often approach God only for what he can give me Mm. rather than simply to rest in his presence. Being an achiever, I have to fight for this, to walk with God in the cool of the day, enjoying his love, loving him back. It's what I got a taste of Saturday night. I had this cozy cabin scene in the rain up on the big screen TV. You can just search these these scenes on YouTube, and they're very relaxing. Mm. And I was thinking about Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. This is what the Lord says, He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. When you walk through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Man, in that moment, it was such a life-giving time of just walking with God in the cool of the day and drinking in the the living water that runs through the Garden of Eden. And it was just like, man, this is what I was created for. Yeah, there's a um, a being with God, you know, that is just not the same as doing for God and wanting from God, but mm-hmm. just being with, you realize it's such a gift. I just treasure those times when I can just fully shut everything off Mm -hmm. and I can't always do that. But those moments are so precious to be able to shut everything down and just, it's it's just like, yeah, you're soaking in Mm. the very presence of God. Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that it makes me Um, think about or that comes to mind is like with people that know you really well, people that you love Yeah. when you're together in the same space in the same time, and maybe you're not even having a conversation. You're just comfortable in the togetherness Sure. where you don't, it doesn't feel awkward if somebody's not talking, you can just be, that's kind of what the, that's, that's what comes to mind when I picture, you know, being content to be in God's presence, not yeah. not having to go through your list of things, just being with him and being satisfied with that. Yeah. And being together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think the more we walk with God in the cool of the day and find our joy in him, at least this is what I've found, the more our achieving and accomplishing becomes worship, a worship that brings life to our world. So Lord, Help me to rest in your presence, content to just be with you. Give me these moments of nearness to you that I desperately need. I need them more than the air I breathe. Thanks for letting Barry and Shauna walk the real-life journey with you. The content from the Barry and Shauna podcast comes from their live show, Barry and Shauna Mornings on 89.3 Moody Radio, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Reach out to us by texting 800-968-8930 and please subscribe.